done this for a long time. So isn't it great that we get to meet in the name, that powerful name of Jesus? And he's here in, in our presence. Um, I'm, I think I'm supposed to go next to uh, give. Oh, welcome. <laughs> I want to welcome you. Well, Josh already welcomed everybody, so... And I'm, I'm going to get his thing here in a second. Well, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you've come to worship Jesus and be in his presence. And then uh, I'm going to pray in a little bit, but not right this second. What we want to do is we want to remind you to give here at Lakeland Vineyard. There's two ways you can do that, online, and then there's a little church in the back that you can do it and give like that also. And then uh, what we do here, we like to know what prayer requests you have, what's going on in your life. And so there's a connect card, there, there's, cards in the, there's cards in the back, but you can also do it uh, via uh, the internet. And so that's what we're going to do now. We're going to give you two minutes to fill out your card, put your prayer request on there. Those go to the folks that pray every week. And so next two minutes, go ahead and fill those out. Yeah, you can get up and greet people if you want to. There's music usually going so that I'll know when your two minutes is up. I guess I'll, I'll key on Steve when I see that he looks up, he's filled out his card, I'll know the two minutes is up. It's up, okay. So if you haven't got it filled out, go ahead and, and do that. Again, I want to welcome those who are online too that are watching via the internet. If you'd stand with me, what Andy's doing during this whole um, teaching on the gospel of, of John is that we're going to use Philippians 3, 10, 11, which is going to be on the screen behind me shortly. There it is. Okay. And now, 
what's going to happen is, it's been happening every week and it probably happened today, is you're going to see that and there will be a little bit of transition when we're saying this. So there'll be a little pause there while it comes back on the screen so you can see it. So I'm going to say this, we're going to say this together, and then it'll come up and then you can finish, okay? I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. You may be seated. Father, that's our prayer this morning, that we would experience you. That we would experience again the power of your resurrection. That we would appreciate that power that resides in us through the Holy Spirit. Uh, We've come here this morning to worship you. We've done that through song. We've done that through communion. And now we're going to do it as we look at your word. And later on, we're going to do it as we have ministry time and pray together. Our desire is that you would be glorified in this place. That we would experience you in a fresh, new way this morning. So, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be glorified in this place, we pray in Christ's name. And everyone said? Amen. What we're going to do is we're going to continue the message that Andy began as he's working through the Gospel of John, and we're going to do it a little differently this morning. I know the segment that I'm I'm to have is verses 19 through 34 in chapter 1, uh, but I've broken it up differently. And the reason for that is I want us to not only read the verses there, but I want us to have a better understanding of who was John? Where did that message come from? What was that message How did he know when to deliver it? How did the people respond to John and his message? So we begin in verse 19. It says this. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Those who came seeking out John ask him this very significant question three times. It's not only a question that John needed to answer, but it's true for each one of us. Like John, do you really know who you are? Do you know what your purpose is? Do you know the things that that you aren't? Unfortunately, in the church today, some people like titles. John really didn't have a title. He was John the baptizer. He came to baptize people. And we're going to find out later on in these verses exactly who he knew he was. Now, to begin to understand a little bit more about John, I want us to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 17. This is the backstory of John the Baptist's life. In verse 11, it says this, While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken, much like we would be if an angel showed up here this morning in all his glory. We'd be shaken, wouldn't we? 
we'd probably stand in awe. And so that's what, he's overwhelmed by this. But the angel, which we know is Gabriel, says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Aren't you glad that we have the assurance that God hears our prayers? Now, it might not be in the timing we want it to be, and I don't think it was in Zechariah's life either. But God had heard his prayer, and he said, your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. Guess what? They didn't need to have a reveal back then. He already told him in advance, you're going to have a son, and you are to name him John. And as, we, as you look at the context there, that was puzzling to all the people because they didn't have anybody in the line, in their lineage, named John. So what we see here from these verses is that John was a gift from God to Zechariah and to Elizabeth and to the world in which he was born into. Like John, we need to understand that you too are precious to God and that he knows your name. Now let's see what God, through Gabriel, had to say about this young boy that was going to be born. What was his purpose? What was his function? And so we look in verses 14 and following. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. And then we jump ahead to Luke 1.44, and we find these words. When I heard your greeting, that's Mary's greeting to Elizabeth, the baby, John, jumped up with joy in her womb. Even as an unborn baby, John had a spiritual awareness that something significant was going to happen. Like John, God knew when you were, knew you when you were in your mother's womb, and he had plans for you. Some people don't realize that, but God has plans. He has intentions for your life. Now we jump ahead in Luke 1, 76 to 80. And there we discover the words that Zechariah, John's father, prophesied over this baby. And you, my little son, we call the prophet of the Most High. Because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Then it says, John grew up and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness 
until he began his public ministry to Israel. I wonder how many times John pondered those words that his father proclaimed over him, that Gabriel had delivered to his father before his birth. As he grew from a young boy into adulthood, how many times did he think about those very things that had been said over his life? Now we go back to the text verses on John, verses 20 through 22. And in those verses, John declares who he's not. And sometimes that's important for us to understand who we're not. Because if not, we can fight a battle all our lives long trying to be who we're not. That's why the important question this morning is, who are you? See, who has God called you to be? What is your function and purpose in life? And John says in these words, he says, he came right out and said, I'm not the Messiah. Well, then, who are you? They ask, are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we're expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? Let me ask you this. What do you have to say about yourself? If somebody were to ask you, what do you have to say about yourself? Again, who are you? What's your purpose? What's your intention? And then John, in verse 23, tells them who he is and what his purpose is. In verse 23, it says, John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. In this, he clearly defines who he is and what his purpose is. He's a voice that will introduce the Messiah. I'm reminded of a movie I've just seen recently. Anybody in here saw The American Underdog? It's a very good movie, and it's about the life of Kurt Warner. And for you non-football people, Kurt Warner was a football player. And his dream all of his life was that one day he'd play in the NFL. But when he finished college, he wasn't drafted. No one chose him. Big disappointment. Even so, he continued to pursue his dream because he knew who he was when other people didn't realize who he was. Consequently, he became the only undrafted player ever to be named the MVP of the National Football League, the MVP of the Super Bowl, the quarterback that won them to a Super Bowl championship, and he was inducted into both the Pro, the pro Football Hall of Fame and the Arena Football Hall of Fame. All this because he knew who he was and he was, he was not deterred by the obstacles that was placed before him. Again, do you know who you are and what your purpose is? 
Are you pursuing those purposes in spite of the obstacles, obstacles you may face? Then we turn now to Luke 3, 1 and 2 to discover the timing and the message that John was given. It says, in the, now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor, Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea, Herod Antipas was the ruler over Galilee, his brother Philip was the ruler of Iturea and Trichonitus, Licentius was the ruler of, over Abilene, and Annas and Sapphira were the high priests. Here's the important thing, though. At this time, at, at, when all these people were functioning, at this time, a message came from God to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. At this time, a message came. He didn't have to make it up himself. He got a message from God, and this is what he was supposed to do, and this was the timing for him to release that message. You see, John waited to receive the message that God had for him to deliver and didn't try to do things in his own effort and his own timing. How many of you know this? God's timing is always right. I want to ask you, you know that, right? I wonder about this, though. Have anybody in here ever questioned, or online, have you ever questioned God's timing? Yeah. Thanks, Rick for being honest with us, most of us have done that because we think that we have a clear word from God and all of a sudden it's not that clear. And so John waited until the timing was right and the same thing we have to do. If God has a message that he wants to deliver through us, he will release that and the timing will be perfect. Now we look at Matthew 3, 1 to 10 to discover what John's message was that he received. It says, In those days John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of God is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is the voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord's coming, Clear the road for him. John's clothes were immaculate. They were woven from coarse camel hair. He wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. Quite a diet, huh? People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. When they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw the religious folks, the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming, he had a different message for them. Nice one, too. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe. We're descendants of Abraham. <coughs> that means nothing. I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised 
ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. John had a message that he received from God to deliver, and he delivered. I have water. <laughs> Connie's saying Dave needs water. I knew I would, so I brought some up. We too, like John, have a message of truth that we must share. See, it's not just enough to be a Christian. We have to share that reality by the way we live and by the things that we say and the things that we do. And that's what John did. Now, in Luke 3, 10 to 20, we find how the people responded to his message. Here's what they said. The crowds asked, what should we do? John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. John also publicly criticized Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongs that he had done. So Herod put him in prison, adding to the sin of his many others. In fact, that one was going to cost John his head and his life. Did you notice it says that people from all over came to hear John? John had a message. For some, they liked it. For some, they didn't. But they asked, what should we do? You know, as you share the, you and I share the truth with other people, they may ask you, what should we do? And so you're going to have to know Scripture, and you're going to tell them, this is what you should do. You know, read scripture, pray to God, those kind of things. But here's the reality. People are always going to respond to God's message. It may be positively or negatively, but they're going to respond to the message that comes from God. Now back to the text itself in John, verses 24 through 28, we find these words. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, if you're not the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John told them, I baptize with water. But right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave or untie the straps of his sandals. Did John know who he was? He certainly did. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Did you notice people questioned John's right to baptize, but he never addresses that question. There are times when people may say things to us that we just are not allowed to address those particular 
issues. People may ask you, you know, what right do you have to share the gospel? Why is your life so different? And you, like John, just have to keep on keeping on. Now in verses 29 through 31, there in chapter 1, it says, The next day, next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said a man is coming after me who is greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptized in water so that he might be revealed to Israel. When, how many of you have read those verses many times? Have you ever thought about those verses? Who was Jesus anyway in relationship to John? He was a cousin. A cousin that does not know who Jesus is. Did you ever think about that? I mean, we, we do the Christmas story all the time. We, we know who Jesus is. John doesn't know that this cousin of his is, in fact, the Messiah. Have you ever pondered that? Have you ever thought about that? God had revealed to him that, in fact, Jesus was the Messiah. In verses 32 through 34, we find these words. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me this. The one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is a chosen one of God. What does that tell us? It tells us that John had to receive an understanding from God. And you know what? Often that's the same situation for us. God may have to give us clarity on who we are and what we're to do and how we're to join him in what we're doing. And that's exactly what he did for John the Baptist. Now, when we look at Matthew 2, 11, I mean, Matthew 11, 2 through 6, we find these words. John the Baptist, who was in prison heard about the things the Messiah was doing. Who is, again, the Messiah? Jesus. He proclaimed it, right? So he went to his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? What does that tell you about John at this point? He's confused. Wait a minute. I said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I saw the Spirit come on him and I knew that was him. But it's not unfolding like I thought it was going to. Have things in your life ever unfolded in a way that you didn't anticipate even though God had spoken to you? Yeah. That's why I use the illustration of Kurt Warner. 
Things did not unfold like he anticipated at all. But he knew who he was, and he kept on going. And so Jesus says to him, to those he sent, go back and tell John, tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those who with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added this, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Another translation says this, God blesses those who are not offended by me. How many of you know this? And you may have heard this expression before. God often offends our mind to reveal our heart. See, sometimes we just think we, we, we know it all. We've got it all figured out. But we're more like John than we'd like to admit sometimes. Sometimes we don't understand, and we need clarity. Sometimes we have questions, and we don't completely understand exactly what God's doing or how he's doing it. And then in Matthew eleven seven through 14, we find Jesus as he evaluates the person of John and his ministry. And he says this, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go out to see in the wilderness? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the Scripture referred to when they say, Look, I am sending a messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare the way before you. I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet, he puts a yet in there. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. Who's greater than John the Baptist? Who? All of us. That's right. And you don't have to be afraid to say that. Jesus said it. Even the least person. You may be sitting here or you may be listening via the live stream and you think you're the least. Well, you're in good company. Because Jesus said, even the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. And that's because there was a transition taking place from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. You see, no longer would the Spirit reside on us, outside us. The Spirit would live in us. And from the time of John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to the present time. 
And if you're willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophets said would come. You see, Jesus' approval didn't come from man. It came from God. That's where our approval must come from. If you want to seek approval, seek it from God. Seek it from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each of us long to hear these words, don't we? Well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that what you long to hear from the Lord? Not the accolades of people, but well done, good and faithful servant. Now I want to close with three questions. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you're not? Do you understand God intends for you to join him in what he's doing, even if you may have questions? How many of you, I was thinking about this last night as I was going to sleep. I thought of God in his omnipotence, in, in his all-being. I thought, all around the world, God is hearing people speak to him. I want you to imagine with me all this going on. I remember in a movie, I don't know if it was, it was God, he was trying to be God, and all these requests were coming in, he was going crazy, you know. That's what I thought of. Here's God, and he's being addressed by billions of people with all their needs, and he's ministering to those needs all at one time. Have you thought about God like that? It's an amazing thing. When we say, oh, God, you're so awesome. He's more awesome than we can comprehend. All around the globe of the earth, these prayer requests are going up to him, and he's answering them. Can you imagine how fast they're coming in and those replies that are going out? So, you may have some questions. God, you're not doing it exactly like I thought you were going to do it. The timing isn't right here, God. He's got it all under control. Remember the song we sang when we were kids? He's got the whole world in his hand. You and me, brother, he's got the whole world in his hands. What's going on in your life now? Guess what? He's got you in his hands. He's heard your prayers. He's seen your tears. He knows everything about you and that all that's going on. And guess what? You are his masterpiece. You are his greatest poem. And he has filled you with his spirit to join him in his activity because he loves you. Not because you're doing everything right or I'm doing everything right, but because he loves us. Would you stand with me?
First of all, Father, we just want to say we love you because you first loved us. You showed us what love was all about. Jesus, when you died on that cross, you died because your passion is that none would perish, but all would repent and come to know you and have a personal relationship with you. We're thankful that we know you, that you've invaded our life, that you've given us a purpose, that you help us to know who we are and who we're not and, and how we're to join you in what you're doing. Thank you, like John, you gave us a message to share. The message of salvation, the good news that we're to broadcast through our lives and through our voices. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd keep us attentive so that we may join you in what you're doing, even if we have questions, even if there's some uncertainty that we know you love us and that you desire to use us. And your purpose is that the knowledge of you will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And so help us to be attentive to you and the things that you desire to do in and through our lives. And for that, we'll give you thanks. Thanks that we have a purpose and a plan and a that's unfolded from you and that you know our names and that we're precious in your sight. And for that, we thank you. Now help us as we go from this place to be attentive to the things that you would draw our attention to, to those that you would re release a message to. Maybe it's just a message of encouragement. Maybe it's just the sharing of a cup of cold water. But whatever it is, Father, help us to join you and walk in obedience, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you may need prayer, there'll be people up here that will pray with you and for you. Otherwise, have a great week. God bless you.